Howdy, friends. You're listening to teaching from our college ministry here at FBC Bryan. We hope you enjoy this message from our college pastor, John Davison, as we journey through the book of 2 Timothy. If you have any questions, please reach out through social media, or you can visit our website at fbcbryan.org slash college. We hope you enjoy. Thanks, friends. Hey, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's, uh, let's get after it. That, that's fun, by the way. I don't I hope that you don't take advantage of an opportunity. Here's the gospel laid out before you. The only reason that we can do the type of worship that we do and stand uh, in this building like we are and sing these songs out loud um, is because of what Jesus accomplished. Um, He gives us the freedom to turn around and and worship him for giving us the freedom (laughs) uh, to do so. It's just a a cool thing. And, And I don't want you to miss, there's moments, and I think a lot of, a lot of pastoral staff, Jason probably does this and a lot of us do this, where we where we will just like hit pause and listen. Um, it happened the first time I came here in view of a call. It's, it's happened multiple times. And uh, just the encouragement that uh, you and singing out loud is to others around you. Um, that's, that's biblical that we should do it that way, but also just how it stirs you um, uh, to be reminded of the gospel. And so when you grab a hold of that, this is, this is what we're doing today. What Paul has done in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we looked at the first nine verses last week saying, hey, like, you need to be um, mindful of the type of teaching that you uh, allow into your life, and you need to be mindful of the type of teacher that you are to other people. And he, he went through the ungodly examples. We looked at those in the first nine, and then uh, he, he, he goes to the godly side of that, in, starting in verse 10, um, and he's really reminding Timothy of uh, his own example lived out, and, and highlighting that, and, and he's like, hey, I need you to remember these things about me, and then I need you to focus on Scripture, starting in verse 14, and moving forward. Now, verse 14 through 17 really connects to chapter 4 pretty well, and so we're going to just cover four verses, which can still take a long time, but we're just going to cover four verses and then save 14 through 17 for the week after Easter, because we're not meeting on Easter, uh, to connect to the beginning of chapter 4. And so we're just going to look at, at really the first four verses, or just starting in in verse 10 um, from there. So let me read it. Verse 10 says, But you, okay, remember, there's been a lot of negative. Here's the turn. But you have followed my teaching conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. Verse 11, Along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and becoming deceived. And so he's like, hey, let, let me just remind you of this, 2 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. It should be your desire. We like to say it this way, that every, every leader's desire should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. I will push that a little bit farther to say every Christ followers' desire should be, follow me as I follow Christ, because every Christ follower should be a leader. The Lord has given you a space. He's given you a gift. He's given you passions. He's given you all of those things for his glory so that you can um, grab people's attention and turn them to Jesus, and you're going to lead in that space. And so it's, it's not about a title um, outside of the one that Jesus gave you as Jesus with skin on. That's what Christian means. You just have that one title that you live out. And so this is Leadership 101. Follow me as I follow Christ. Leadership is not lordship. It's not look 
um, what I'm commanding you to do. It is look at what I'm doing and then follow in that example. That's what he does. This is 1 Peter uh, 5.3. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. 2 Corinthians 1.24. I do not mean that we lord it over your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy because you stand firm in your faith. And so leadership is really about, and I'm inviting all of you into this leadership space because you're Christ followers in this room. And, and so leadership is not about, or leadership is about following Jesus and inviting other people to do the same as you pursue him. And Paul um, illustrates this so well, and he talks about this out in the open, and he's telling Timothy, he's telling us to, one, just remember his life, starting in verse 10. And he says, not only remember my life, but remember my persecutions. It's the thing that we hate about Paul. He likes to highlight these things and remind us that we're going to walk in them too. And three, remember my instruction about all of this. This is where he's pointing us. So there's your, if you want your, your three notes that are coming from these four verses, this is what I pull out of here. Hey, remember my life, remember how I was persecuted, and remember my instruction to you. So starting in verse 10, one more time, he says, but you have followed what? My, this is Paul, my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. His, his lifestyle was, was unlike the false teachers before. That's why there's that transition there. Um, and Timothy, he knows that Timothy knows his life well. He's been, he's been following Paul around a lot. He's like, hey, just remember what I've taught you. Remember my conduct. Remember my purpose. I've lived my life out in the open to you. And, and you know this about me. My teaching has explained my life to you. And I live out the things that I teach to others. In, in the first letter that he wrote to, to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.16, pay close attention to your life and your teaching. There's that verse, he's like, hey, th- these things are connected. You have to guard your words to make sure that your life is honoring what you're saying and what you're saying is honoring how you're living. Pay close attention to your life and to your teaching. And I think Paul's purpose was to live for something greater than his own pleasure, than his own um, fame, than own, his own money, than all of those things. When, when the Lord wrecked his life, that switch flipped in him, and he didn't care about anything else about just, except just making the name of Jesus famous and, and then trusting others to follow after him and to do the same. I mean, he said it in Acts 20, 24, but I count my life as no value to myself that I might finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to what? To testify about the gospel of God's grace. This is what he's putting before people. That's his desire. His great, his great aim in his life was to finish the ministry that God has given him by testifying of the gospel out loud, reflecting the glory, the glory of Christ to others. And this is your purpose. This is my purpose. This is what God is calling us to. And, and Timothy looks at this, and, and I think that we can see um, that Timothy has observed a couple things about Paul that that you should strive for, that you should desire, that they sh- these should be things that are evident in people that you follow, and they should be things that you display as you follow Christ. These are his faith, his patience, his love, and his endurance. These are, are really um, four qualities that should be like at the forefront of Christians that live their lives out well. That's faith, patience, love, and endurance. Um, in Acts chapter 18, I'm just going to read it. You can make this note if you want to flip over there. You can really quick. But Acts chapter 18, verse 5. When Silas and Timothy arrived in Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. When they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and he told them, your blood is on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. 
So he left there and he went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. And I love this. Then the Lord said to Paul in a night vision, don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent for I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. He stayed there. So this is after he throws a fit and he's like, hey, I'm out. I would rather just go to the Gentiles and hang out with you clowns. And he says, no, stay here because I have a lot of people in this city. So he stayed there for a year and a half teaching the word of God to them. Like the, the, Paul was faithful in his ministry. He's faithful in his teaching to them. Philippians 1, 7 and 8. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. You are all partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. God is my witness. How deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He, he's not only faithful in his ministry, he is patient towards other people. He has a deep love for the churches. And then lastly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we, we get to see Paul's endurance as, as he keeps going on despite like the hardships that Paul faces. Instead, as God's ministers, this is verse 4, we commend ourselves in everything by great endurance, by afflictions, by hardships, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth. Somebody should memorize this. It, it would be fun. By the power of God through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. Through glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regard as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet recognized, as dying yet see we live, as being disciplined yet not killed, as grieving yet always rejoicing, as poor yet enriching many, as having nothing yet possessing everything. He just keeps going in hardships better than I think anyone that we have recorded um, history of. And, and all of this, Paul would point to, like, I keep going not because of me or the, the strength that I have, but because of God's saving grace and his just sustaining power in my life. I just keep going. It's just the faithfulness of Paul. And so when you look at this list that he highlights of these things, his faith, his patience, his love, his endurance. What, what's the one in your mind, with, you can answer it loud if you want to, but what's the one in your mind that you think about is probably the most absent? His faith, his patience, his love, his endurance. I think a lot of people, um, even a lot of people that are currently in leadership roles or desire those things or, or, or just like when you hang out with people, you're probably going to say patience. Like, your lack of patience affects how you love. Your lack of patience affects how you lead. Um, and I think that might be mine, too. And Paul tell, tells Timothy later on, we're going to see this in 2 Timothy 4, too. He says, what, to proclaim this, this message with great patience. That's what it takes to follow Jesus. And, and so how do we cultivate that patience that he's highlighting here? It's the, the type of patience that we need to lead other people. That type of patience only comes by the Spirit. Because it is what? A fruit of the Spirit. As you abide in Jesus, as you love Jesus, as you treasure Jesus, and the Spirit produces this patience in you that rises up. And, and then as we, we think about our life, as, as Paul is doing here, and then we think about Jesus and how he's been patient with us, that's, that's 1 Timothy 1.16. We think about how patient he's been with us, then, then we grow in our patience toward other people. One of, the, one of the things that I think about when we're counseling others and, and they have 
someone has wronged them in their life, and they're like, how do I move on from this hurt? Um, I, will, I will often encourage people that when you, when you think about how you've been wronged and the person that wronged you, would you pray that God's Spirit would bless them? Would you pray that God's Spirit would stir within them a heart of repentance? Would you just pray um, that God would, would be near to them? And it, as you begin to do that, the Lord begins to remind you of how you've wronged in the past, that you have been forgiven much. And the only reason that we can pray blessing on other people is because we're reminded that we have been forgiven much. And when you do that, then your heart is softened towards them and you grow to be more patient with them. Because hear me, people are going to let you down. Ladies, you're going to meet the man of your dreams one day. And he's going to mess up probably every day. You're going to have to learn the heart of patience towards them. Guys, you're going to meet the woman of your dreams one day and she's going to mess up. You're just going to be too dumb to see it. Because you're just infatuated with her beauty, all right? You're going to have to learn patience in a different way. You're going to have to learn patience how to deal with other guys. That's just how that goes. You've got to learn this thing and in that be reminded of the gospel. That's the songs that we're singing. All of these things just stir that up in us to be reminded of Jesus' greatness and the things that he's done for us. And this is what, this is what Paul is saying first. Like, hey, would you just... Remember my life. If you desire to be a faithful Christ follower, I love that he can set this example, and I desire that all of us would be this too. Live lives that are worthy of people following. Live lives that are worthy of people. When they look at you, they go, I want to be like some of those things. That's what Paul was like. The only reason that I, I can put on display these things, you follow my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, is because of Jesus. That's it. Not because I'm cool, not because I have this figured out, but because of Jesus. Why? Because we know the things that he walked through. Verse 11, along with the persecutions and the sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Timothy has this knowledge of Paul's persecutions and his sufferings. And, and he mentions these towns, which is unique. These have purpose. Why is he talking about Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? These are, these are communities that... that are around Timothy's hometown. They're close to Timothy. He has intimate knowledge of these places. He did follow him around in Ephesus and in Rome and in the church in Corinth. Like He knew that, Timothy, that Paul had faced some pretty hard things, but Paul draws attention to these three locations um, because they're, they're close to Timothy. They're close to where he's doing ministry. They're close to, to home. Timothy knew of Paul's brutal beating by a hostile mob when the, the apostle was left for dead. Like, this is a wild story in Acts chapter 14. We're just going to go back over there. You can, you can follow me, too. I just want to read this um, to you. So they're, they're doing ministry in Lystra. There's a man, this is verse 8, he's sitting uh, without strength in his feet. He had never walked, and he had been lame since birth. And he listened as Paul spoke, and after looking directly at him, this is Paul, seeing that he had faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And that guy jumped up and began to walk around which is a miracle in and of itself, one that he was healed, but he's never walked before. You ever seen a baby trying to figure out how to walk? It's the clumsiest thing in the world. This guy gets up and begins to walk around. When the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they shouted, saying in a Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. If you've never read this, this is really cool. Barnabas, they called Zeus. Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. They just gave them like Greek god titles. The, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the town, brought bulls and wreaths to the gate because he intended with the crowds to offer a sacrifice. 
The apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes when they heard this, and they rushed into the crowd shouting, People, why are you doing these things? We are people also just like you. We're proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own way, although he did not leave himself without a witness since he did what is good by giving you rain from the heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. These are just like the common graces of God poured out to nations that weren't his. Verse 18, and even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. Verse 19, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they won over the crowds, they stoned Paul. Do you see what's happening here? Like these these people that worship Greek gods are, are worshiping Paul in this space, and then the Jews show up and they win over the crowd. Calm down. They stone Paul. They drag him out of the city thinking he's dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and he went into a town. He went into the town. Then the next day, he left with Barnabas to Derby. Then what happens? He's just gotten stoned near to death in this city in Lystra. The next verse, after they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra. Like Two things, either he's really, really called by God or he's outside of his mind. Because this is not the community that you return to after winning a bunch of people to Christ and it's like, okay, we got to go back in there. I know they, they tried to kill me with rocks last time, but let's do this. He has this intimate knowledge of Paul and the things that he went through. And this is what Paul is doing. He's reminding Timothy that in all of this, the Lord has rescued me. The Lord has rescued me from all of this. This is, this is, this is Psalm 34, 19. David is celebrating the deliverance from his enemies. He says, the one who is righteous has many adversaries, but the Lord rescues him from them all. This is the, the mindset of Paul as he walks through this. And, and God is his, he knows this, God is, is his ultimate rescuer. He delivered his people all throughout the ages. He's continuing to deliver Paul in this. And, and here's the thing, we know this from Paul. He never, he never promises that this life is going to be easy, but he does promise to be with his people and to rescue them either in this life or the next. And as, as Paul was writing this, he's awaiting, we, we see this later on in, in 2 Timothy, like he's awaiting his ultimate rescue. Verse 17 of chapter four, we'll get ahead of ourselves a little bit, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word to the Gentiles so that all the Gentiles might hear it. I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. It wasn't about his comfort here. It was about what God was going to rescue him to one day. And he's going, hey, persecutions are going to happen. Timothy is called to endure by the strength that God supplies, trusting in God's faithfulness to his people. Paul's not just giving Timothy this example to follow. He's pointing him to the source that's going to allow him to get through all of it. It's not just like, hey, emulate my life, like seek out persecutions. You don't have to seek those things out. Those things are going to find you if you just follow Jesus. And as you follow Jesus, he satisfies you as you walk through those things. And so it's remember my life, remember my persecutions, but then also remember my instruction. It's remember my instruction given to you, starting in verse 12. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we're talking about evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. He's, he's just saying, hey, everybody who desires to live a life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, some of you, some of you know, um, my, here's my habit on Spotify. 
once a week for about 20 minutes, I will open up Spotify and I will go to my new release radar. I just want to know what Spotify thinks of me. And I will begin to listen to my new release radar, and it won't last very long because there's a hodgepodge of just stuff in there. Some of them are like explicit lyrics right off the bat that I get scared of. I'll have the boys in the, in the truck, and I don't want to explain some things that they say. And we'll just skip right past those. And, and then there'll be the random worship song that comes on. And sometimes I'm like, this is gold, and I'll send it to Jason. I'm like, bro, have you heard this yet? You got to listen to this. And sometimes I'll listen to it, and I'm like, man, this beat's really good, and I'll get into it. Um, and this was one of those songs. This happened today, actually, on the way to church. It's my new release, Radar. Some of you are big fans of Red Rocks. This song came on, all right? It's a new worship song from them called Good Plans. And uh, I'm going to let you listen to part of it. of those that like I was in the truck and I'm like man this goes hard like I, I like what they're doing here like I kind of want to be in that room and then I started listening to it and, and I've already been meditating on 2 Timothy 3 the back half of that and and I hear these words surely your goodness and mercy will follow after me he's, he's quoting scripture so I was like okay so so fear will not find me because I'll be dwelling in the house of God he's quoting scripture again he has good plans. He has good plans for me, so I will take heart in deserts and gardens. He has good plans. He has good plans for me. If I know my Father, I know my Father has good plans. And, and there's part of me that I'm like, this, this is encouraging, but then the other side of that is like, this is a weird thing to sing in worship because it, it very much makes it about you. It's also a weird thing to even be declaring on this planet, um, because the only like real good plans and promises that God has for you are on the other side of death. And, and, and like I, I understand, and if I was in that service, there, there, there could be some moments where I find myself worshiping and going, God, like I thank you that you're a, prof- a protector and a provider, and, and you do have good plans for me. And as I sing this, may I be mindful of heaven and, and looking out that way. But on this side of the planet, you don't sing the worship song that's like, Lord, I'm excited to walk out of this church and be persecuted. Like, bring the haters. I'm so ready for that. Maybe today, could I get stoned? Bless your name. Like, that, that's, not, that's not the songs that we're singing. But, but this is the clear promise from Paul. He's going, hey, remember my instruction, and my instruction is pretty simple. In fact, all you who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We're not memorizing that verse. And I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this to you, and I'm not excited about it. This is not one of those things that I just get really, really excited about. Hey, you know, follow me. Yeah, you, 
you're, you're going to be persecuted. He's pretty good at this. You're going to pass through a ton of trouble on this planet as you seek to live out the gospel. This is what he talks about to the Philippians. It's been given to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but what? To suffer for him. Philippians 1.29. This is what Christ gave you, the opportunity to believe and the opportunity to suffer. And when you look at the life of Jesus, you should remember that there's this reality of Christian suffering. Jesus says it in John 15, 20. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. John echoes this again. Don't be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. That's 1 John 3, 13. And the context of that is funny because 1 John, we point people to that because it's all about love. Not about the feeling of love, but the action of love. And he goes, hey, don't be surprised if you live a life that loves other people, if the world hates you. You're like, that doesn't even make any sense. If I live a lifestyle of loving others, why would they hate me? Here's, here's the deal. Race car drivers should expect some crashes. Football players should expect to get hit. Baseball players should expect every so often to take a, a fastball to the ribs. It's just part of the, part of the calling, part of the game. Christians should expect persecution. What, what John is saying here is, hey, don't be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. He's going, hey, you're going to face persecution because you love other people. Some people are drawn to Christ by your love, and others are enraged by it. They just are. So instead of being surprised by opposition, then you should be surprised when you do not face it. If you're not facing opposition for your faith, then you're probably not living out your calling to its fullest potential. It's just true. It's a biblical promise. And it's not that you go out looking for opposition. It's not that you go stand in the quad and scream like really, really like questionable Christian things to people to gather a crowd. This is not the call. You're not seeking enemies, but you have to understand that opposition is inevitable for those who desire to live godly lives. Some are going to experience it in the physical side. Others are going to feel it in their hearts as they grieve for, for people who aren't following Christ. A lot of people are going to be ignored. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be rejected. Like This is one of the reasons living out your faith in, in this bubble that we live in, Texas and even kind of America, living out your Christian faith is pretty easy. That's why we're going to continue to ring the bell to get on a plane and go somewhere else where no one's heard the name of Jesus and, and let them even look at you like you're just foolish. Less than 2% of people know Christ in Japan, and you're going to go, hey, have you heard about Jesus? And they're going to be like, I have no clue who you're talking about. That's going to, it's going to feel dark, and it should break you. That's a form of persecution that you're going to feel. Or those of you that go into New York and you're going to walk into a shop, it's one of the reasons that we love having uh, ladies on that trip with us because you're going to go in there and a lot of the Middle Eastern Muslim, Arabic-speaking women, um, I think, are, are pretty responsive to the gospel. But you go into there and you start to share Christ and they get mad at you. One, either they just don't like Christians and they're going to be mad. Or two, they have to put up this front to kick you out because they know somebody else is watching. That's just the oppression that you're going to feel. Um, we think that you're going to be safe. There's part of me that wants to send you into places where you're not. Like, I want to hear stories. Like, I share my faith. A dude pull out a gun. I had to run for my life down the street. Like, like I love that. You're like, that's kind of sick, John. Like, I, I just, I don't see it very often. Um, but, but Paul is like, I'm going I'm to preach the gospel. I'm going to make these people mad. They're worshiping a God that they don't know. And so I'm trying to, trying to recorrect them into the space. And they throw rocks at me. 
to the point of me almost dying. Disciples had to surround me, and I guess they probably prayed and brought me back to life. I was a little irritated about that. And, and I go to another city. I want a bunch of people to Christ. I'm like, hey, let's go back there. Like, I love that mindset. There's a sobering reality. When you understand that you are going to be oppressed, this is what this does. When you understand that the world, this is a promise to you, then you can also believe that the world's not just spinning out of control. You can look at the world and go, hey, everything's actually okay because God actually promised this. That we're not in the last days yet, even though I'm experiencing a pre- like this oppression, this persecution in my life, and I, I feel really, really sad. But he says it. In the last days, what's going to happen? Verse 13, evil people and imposters will become worse. Deceiving and being deceived. This is kind of the end. Timothy's to remember this reality of this and to remember Paul's example as he follows Jesus. And so we're, we're calling you up. Right teaching and right living is, is calling you up. We, wanna, wanna, we desire to be the people that you long to follow, but more than that, I desire for you to be the people that others want to follow. I, I want to look around our ministry and see a bunch of college students who are, who are living their lives in this way as he started. They have faithful teaching, faithful conduct, faithful purpose, right faith, they, they have great patience, they love other people, they have endurance in that, and people see that, and they're like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to follow you. But as we read these verses, you also, like, you begin in your mind, in your heart, go, help? God, help me. How can I endure evil people and false teachers and and persecution? Paul is this like stud. He's superhuman Christian. How can we possibly follow this dude's example? How How are we to persevere and to maintain godliness and to reflect that to other people? And to answer that question, you go, well, what actually is, what is godliness? First Timothy 3.16, Paul calls Jesus the mystery of godliness. That's such a cool verse. This Jesus, he's the mystery of godliness. Jesus gives us the ultimate example of, of godliness in his incarnation. Jesus was the ultimate picture of humility, of integrity, of generosity that we talked about last week. His, his religion wasn't a show. His religion was a demonstration of his dad's power. This is why the humanity of Christ is so important. When, when he came down, the life that he lived was a demonstration of the, of the power that was made available to us. I'm gonna, and, and that power, he says, is going to allow us to do even greater things than he accomplished. And so the fact that he came, he put that on display on how we could live, then he died, then he goes, he resurrected, then he goes up to heaven, and there he says, now I get to send my Holy Spirit to you who's going to give you that power to live out and to do things that are even greater than I was able to do. And in that, he's going, here is the ultimate example of godliness. Be led by something greater than you. Through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, Jesus triumphed over our greatest enemy. He ascended to the Father's right hand, and then he pours out the Holy Spirit. And then as believers in him, we are united with him. And and he says in 2 Timothy 3.12, just to remind you of this, in fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. To live a godly life, that's the cheat code. In Christ Jesus, we have to remind ourselves daily of our relationship with Him, to commune with Him. We got to engage in His Word. We got to be praying. We got to hang out in community. We got to understand that we have been 
crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, that we've been raised with him, that his righteousness is now our righteousness, that we get to be seated with him, that he lives in us by the power of his Holy Spirit, and we get to press on in godliness if we would just keep our eyes on him. And so chapter 3, all the way up to verse 13, he's saying, avoid, avoid ungodly examples. Follow godly examples of teaching and conduct and purpose and faith and patience and love and endurance. And the only way that you put those on display to other people is if you would just follow Jesus. Like, we're we're gonna jump into worship again, and um, the the encouragement here is so stupid simple, um, and so difficult. Like your daily goal is not, and and I recognize like you're gonna wrestle with sin, and you recognize you're gonna wrestle with difficult things. Your daily goal is not to overcome sin. Your daily goal is to know Jesus more. Your daily goal is to lay down like yourself and your, and your selfish pride and your selfish use of time and your selfish desires and, and just seek the face of Jesus and all of these other things are added unto you. If, if we could just figure out how to seek Christ more. And so as you were like, hey, I need, to be, I need to find an accountability group. I need to figure out what that looks like. You just need to find somebody who's gonna say, hey, have you met with Jesus today? If not, do it. Hey, I need to grow in my faith a little bit more. Okay, go meet with Jesus a little bit. Open up your word and then ask by the Spirit that, that you would leave your time in the word looking more like Jesus. That's really it. That, that's our goal. That's your desire. And, and, and I love, like there's part of me that feels bad. I was like, oh, I wish I could you know, give you cooler things to do. <laughs> a greater list of things to, that will make you more Christ-like. No, just follow Jesus. Take time and spend time with him and follow Christ. That's it. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for these examples. We thank you for Paul and, and his life um, and the fact that he could, like he could charge us to, um, to follow him as he follows Christ. And, and God, um, may that just be our desire, our goal tonight. Um, as we worship, maybe we need to, to sit uh, and just beg you by your spirit to, to allow us to figure out what it means to follow Christ more clearly. Maybe we need to grab a friend that we've had this conversation with before, but we haven't really made the commitment like to lean in full force and, and just chase after Jesus. Maybe we need to be honest. Like I, I played the church game for a long time. My parents drug me to church. It's just a thing that I do, but I've never actually really engaged with Jesus. I, if I'm honest, I don't have a desire to follow him at all. Like I, I really do enjoy worship. I enjoy the opportunity to lean in. I can raise my hands. Like I, I, do, I do feel something, but when I walk out of this space, I, I won't open his word. I, I'm not praying. I'm not sharing him with other people. I'm, I'm not persecuted in any way, shape, or form. Like if we're honest with that, then, then maybe we need to, to seek first that relationship. Um, that our religion wouldn't be found on a list of things that we did and spaces that we visited and Bible studies that we go to. Um, but it would be living by the power made available to us by Christ's death, his resurrection, and his ascension. So as we lean in tonight, may our hearts be stirred to be just like thankful for Jesus. Thankful that he put on display what it was like to, to lean into the Father, that that what he accomplished allows us to do the same thing. And our ultimate goal would be just to know him more in this space. So by your spirit, would you stir us towards that, we pray in Jesus' name.